In episode 230 of The Drop Set, I welcome to the show IFBB Women's Physique Pro, Kristen Leah, who will be joining me from Tampa by way of Australia. Coming from Melbourne, she has embarked on a permanent move to the United States in search of better opportunities to pursue her passion in bodybuilding. If you're looking for someone who is driven, focused, and 100% all in for the sport, look no further than her. She made the move to the States earlier this year and just wrapped up her 2023 competitive season with an insane four shows in five weeks, competing in Atlanta, Chicago, Tampa, and finally finishing up in Texas with the IFBB Texas Pro. In our conversation, we talk about her history and what brought her here, a bit about what pandemic life was like in Australia. Spoiler alert, crazy. And uh, we get into a deep dive on her shows this year, breaking down photos live during our chat and also going over what she intends to do for improvements heading into next year. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like the video and subscribe. And if you're listening to the audio only version on your favorite podcast app, uh, drop me a review. And in all cases, please share this episode far and wide and tag me in your post. I am at Darren underscore star on Instagram. So with that, I bring you now my interview with IFBB Women's Physique Pro, Kristen Leah. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Kristen Leah, welcome to the drop set. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I, uh, well, I would say I can't complain, except we've talked recently and I think I complained a lot. So, um, <laughs> but I don't have any, any real legitimate complaints. So, um, first question that I have for you is on a scale of one to 10, how tired are you right now? Um, probably about, uh, five. Really? I think so. Just a five. Okay. So well, I've, I've been, I regularly nap during the day. So I've been getting up at my consistent time, going to bed at my consistent time, having my hour nap. So think about a five. Okay. Better than last week. <laughs> so full, <laughs> di full disclosure for those that, that have not been following you, you just finished your fourth pro show in what, like eight, nine weeks. Something like that. I think it was six. 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 That's even worse. So that's <laughs> that. that uh, <laughs> see that this is this is how you can tell how what the kind of stuff that somebody's made of. If they even throw out the idea that that might be better, then that's that's a whole level of of being psycho, which is a, a good thing if you're in bodybuilding. <laughs> you have to be a little psycho, right? I think so. You have to be a special sort of crazy. Yeah, there's definitely something about the way that um, high level competitors are wired um, that's different, even from like, you know, uh, a less experienced competitor or, God forbid, like a non gym going person, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so. I want to I want to talk about all that. Talk about your recent season here. Talk about last season as well. Um, but before that, I want to get a little bit of backstory on you, just to clue people in a little bit. So, um, 
as anybody listening could tell, you are, I think, I would say, the first non-American that I have had on the podcast. So uh, you are originally from Australia. Yes. And currently living in the States. That is correct. So, so I've been in the States since May of this year. And I'm applying for my citizenship to be permanent. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what led, I'm kind of curious about this myself. Like I I know a little bit of your backstory here, but I'd be curious to kind of dig in a little bit deeper into what led to that decision and how that whole process got started. Okay. So it's probably going to bore everyone, but realistically (laughs) I've been competing since 2012. Um, I always kept it as something personal to me. I did run my own business in Australia for a while, um, doing competition prep and more sort of online nutrition um, and working with clients. I found that that was a little bit disheartening because for the most part, 90% of the clients weren't willing to do what it takes. And I think because of the way I'm structured, I would always look at that as something I was doing wrong. So I would jump in and try to fix something, but you know, not more than often or not, it was just because the person was lying and not complying. So I stayed in my corporate job, um, doing medical and financial fraud investigation, insurance, reporting to trustee delegates, um, reporting to, the government bodies um, representing our company against contentious clients, um, writing formal letters, and adhering to strict deadlines, which meant that if I didn't get a letter done in like a week or by a certain time during the day, that our company would get fined. So um, high-level responsibility, very monotonous, boring, but it sort of worked with my gym schedules and it kept it regular. Um, it gave you a little bit more freedom I and flexibility went, on that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had, um, I'm from Melbourne, so we had a two-year lockdown when COVID came. It was pretty the aggressive there, year, I remember. I was, yeah. The first year was okay because it was like there was light at the end of the tunnel. We were allowed some freedoms and I bought my own gym. So I had a three-level townhouse. I bought a fully um, equipped gym because I sort of in the back of my head had always wanted to buy a gym but never justified the cost. So I knew everything I was going to get, Smith machine, bench press, hack squat, leg squat, cable machine, lap pull down, um, everything, 420 kilos worth of plates and dumbbells going from five to 45 kilos. Just the basics, um, nothing nothing but the basics. Yeah, so I already knew that, but when I was, I was coming up, because I had some medical treatment, I was coming up to a hospital visit. Luckily for me, I needed surgery and it was prepped for three days before the potential lockdown. Now I knew, I took that as a, okay, I'm not going to miss out. If I go to hospital and don't buy this, then there's a, you know, chance there was rumours that we'd go into lockdown. So I bought everything. 
And then we went to lockdown and people went to buy stuff and it was gone. So, so you, you jumped on that before lockdown actually happened. Because in my head, I was going into hospital. I didn't have as much time. So it was sort of like there's potential for this. So I took it as, yeah, I'm doing this because I've got justification. So I was lucky sure. with regards to having the surgery on that date. <laughs> then when I got back from surgery, I got to spend my recovery day setting up a gym. Nice. Nice. Um, well, that, that's a little bit of clairvoyance right there because I, I know in the States, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, like our lockdown was much more short lived depending on, on where you live. Like I lived in Tennessee and we were out of commission in full force for about four or five weeks. And then things started opening back up. Um, yeah. my, my parents live in the Northwest and you know, they were out for much closer to a year. So, um, Australia, it seems like on the whole was a lot more conservative and really, really, um, much yeah, more restrictive. Really the first lockdown, I was more concerned with getting meat than anything because we had a meat shortage. So I had to order like five months of meat by some delivery form. And for the first couple of months, try to fit my macros with unappealing canned sources of meat, which was not good. And that was only because everyone bought out everything in the shopping centres. Um, everything was gone. There was no meat. So I was like, okay, tuna, that fits my macros. Okay. There's this really gross thing of like supposed crab meat in a can. <laughs> And it's got bristly bits in it that uh, make me want to vomit. I'm going to eat it because my chicken order's not coming in for six weeks. So, you know, that was you, a little bit painful. You got to do what you got to um, do. But, yeah, but the first lockdown, there was clear rules. We're going to get out at this date, blah, blah, blah. So I was prepping for my pro show debut. Um, got to... I think it was October and we'll still, we'll still, no, it was a little bit earlier. So I was about 10 weeks out of show and I was pretty shredded. Like I was almost ready for stage by that stage and they um, cancelled season B. So in Australia, there's a season A and a season B. Um, it's all amateur, really. There's no pro shows. Um just bikini and men's physique. Um, so then I went on to prep for March, which was season eight, and we were let out at that stage and it was like a fun-filled prep because I had this new appreciation for freedom. <laughs> and then got my pro card, came back to Melbourne, and then lo and behold, May comes and went back in lockdown again. And that lasted two weeks and then they let us out for a week and then shut us up again. But this time the rules were a lot stricter. Um, there was an 8 p.m. curfew. If anyone knows Melbourne, they know that during nine months of the year, the sun sets by six o'clock. Oh, wow. Um, there was a three-kilometre driving radius. So if you were over three kilometres, you got fined $5,000. How do they enforce um, that? Military. Wow. Okay. So, so just le lesson for all the Americans here. You think you had it bad. Nobody in America had that to deal we with. We had 
in Melbourne, we had the military patrolling the streets to stop everyday citizens from breaking curfew or going outside the three-kilometre radius. Um, wow. If you were outside for more than half an hour a day, you would get fined. There was only one person allowed out of each household per day at a time, and supermarkets were like it was the only fun place to go, but you'd go into it and because it was dark and cold in Melbourne, I think it gets to like maximum you know, 12 degrees Celsius in winter and ranges from about five upwards. Um, uh. And that's for most of the year. The hottest it gets the three months in summer. So it was dark, it was wet, it was dreary, and you go into the supermarkets and, you know, there was a 1.5-metre radius. Everyone was by themselves in, like, full mask. It was just like... <laughs> it wasn't very fun. And then ongoing sicknesses during that period. Um, and I sort of got to the end of it and I was like, I had an incident where I ended up in an ER for three weeks and it was very close, very close counters for me. And I spent a good five months nursing myself back to health um, doing my 12-hour days, training in my gym and thinking, if I get out of this, I'm going to America. And I remember saying that to myself but never really believing it. And then January came and I was prepping for the New York and Pittsburgh Pro. Um, and then May came and there I was. <laughs> I had another close call in April right before I came overseas. So wasn't at my best for the Pittsburgh Pro. Um, I ended up in ER again, um, but because of the flights and everything, I ended up going. And then I feel like I redeemed myself in America for the New York Pro. Um, I came back from that and I wasn't as big as what I wanted to be, but I feel like I nailed my condition. And I came back from that and there were a couple of personal issues that I went through um, in June, which were kind of confronting um, a relation, a major relationship breakup. And then my company sold the office in the city because they realised that working from home was more profitable for them. So I'm back from America, we're in winter and it was the wettest winter we'd ever had. Now we're forced to lock up and I'd been abandoned by my future. So there was a period of me questioning who I was as an athlete because I thought that I was going to get married and have babies and retire. But that was our plan and that wasn't there. And because of his religious views, I sort of was covering up and I don't know, maybe I was influenced because I was dieting or I was in love, but I felt like um, it was a little bit wrong for me to... You were being yourself, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I felt like that was there was something adherently wrong about that. And I think that was just a good tactic that he probably used to control me at that stage. 
Um, and then, of course, yeah, broke my heart, which is unlike me to get emotionally attached, but I'll own it. This is the first time I'm really owning it publicly that happened. Um, everyone thought I was just going through post-comp depression. No, that happened. I had a, a breakdown of what I thought was going to be family. I didn't know who I was. And then I sort of realised if I'm going to be an athlete, I have to live in America. It's not happening here. There's no pro shows. It cost me like $20,000 to go to America. It's not financially feasible. And then that also led to more depression because I realised how impossible that was. <laughs> you know, like it, single it, white impo- female. Impossible, but yet here you just, are, you're in Tampa right now. Yeah. Well, at that stage we'd hit a recession. Interest rates were sky high. Mm-hmm. Petrol was, you know, triple what it was before I went to America. The price of lettuce, there were some places selling lettuce for $12 for one lettuce. <laughs> $12 for a lettuce. And I'm like, what is this magical? Like it was impossible to even get greens. People were not buying vegetables because it was crazy and people were still panic buying. So I was just like, this place is miserable. I don't have enough money to go to America. That's where I want to be. And it's not it's not possible. So I um, connected with someone I hold very dear that I'd been speaking to for a couple of years, a relative that I have, um, Barry Steinley, and he's very, he's been really supportive in that, you know, I was the only person that really cared about him and contacted him and he brought me over here. Like he came to Australia in March and I was still like, oh, this isn't going to happen. But I resigned from my job with good faith. So that was an industry I'd been in for 10 years. I had two college degrees and I was like, uh, and I resigned and then I applied again and they took me on and then I resigned and then I applied with other companies and I was headhunted. So I had a couple of job offers which came with me to the US because I accepted them (laughs) as a backup because I was like, I don't know, I've always had to fend for myself and not used to relying on other people. So there's that part of me that needs backup plans to protect myself. Yeah. Um, Keep your options open. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of crazy to just quit your job, move overseas with this crazy old American who like rides motorcycles and is ex-military and, you know, bring your cats. I bought my cats and then, um, I had some problems with immigration, but now it seems to be going well for me, touch wood. Um, <laughs> and, like, I gave up. Um, another reason why I came over was because I had an illness for seven years and I was cleared at, um, cleared of all signs of this illness in July of 2022. So I was like, well, that's sort of gone. <laughs> now I can really you know, let loose because the health care that I had in Australia was or is because it's still going um, second to none because mm-hmm. of the industry that I was in. I had 1.5 million of cover. I had all of these um, hospital and extra benefits without exclusions. And if I had have lost that, then to reapply, I'd have 
no chance and I'd have all the exclusions. Um, right. So the medical was a big reason that held me there, but that went too. So I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to do something crazy because if you don't take risks and do crazy things and the worst case scenario is I'll end up dying behind this desk by myself with two cats <laughs> or I could have a crazy adventure and then come back and die behind this desk with two cats <laughs> or it will work out and it's working out. So that's why I moved to America. I did a few shows this year where I tried something different um, in terms of my look. I don't think it really fit me and next year I'll be going for what I think is classic Christy. Nice, nice. I want to rewind just a second here. So you said there's a long-standing medical issue, and you said you got your clearance from that in July of 2022. Yes, which means that for the Pittsburgh and New York Pro, also 2022, correct? You still hadn't received clearance of that while you were doing those shows. Is that correct? No. So all my shows from 2016, I because I competed 2016 in four shows. 2017 and two, 2018, I think I had it off. And then I did 2019 one, one, two, and then 2020, I got my pro card. Uh, no, 2021, I got my pro card. Um, I might've done a show in 2020 as well. It's hard to know because I've done over, well, 21 shows now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did one show as a uh, women's physique, didn't get my pro card, but then my next one I got my pro card, so it's not like I tried 21 times and didn't get my pro card. No, I progressed through divisions. So for basically half of my competing life, I had this illness um, and it's only been the shows this year where I've been cleared. Okay. So, yeah. So, so you were still, you know, I mean, you were lacking that clearance while you were competing last year too. So, and just kind of like doing it anyway. Yeah. Just... Um, the week, three weeks before I got my pro card, I was in hospital. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> having said the, the, the one thing I can and tell no one knew at that time, I didn't come out until after I got my pro card because I felt like I did not deserve people's sympathy. Mm -hmm. I deserve their respect and I yeah. didn't want it to impact their view of me and I felt like no one would really care anyway. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be Chrissy with cancer. You know, I wanted to be this kick-ass superwoman. Yeah. And I felt like at that stage I didn't deserve people's sympathy and. Like kick-ass superwoman I, without yeah. any qualifications, like just yeah. period. And then That's I, it. I became comfortable with having the illness. I think it was, something I felt was a weakness in myself and I learned to heal personally that I would need to accept it and that meant telling people and not being embarrassed and that wasn't for them, that was for me. So I couldn't care less if the world knows, but for me to come out and say it, it was, it was a big step for me in acknowledging who I was and validating that I had you know, things that made me strong, not weak. And I imagine it's just really not how you want to be identified. No. I mean, I it, it, be identified. now I can be identified like that because 
it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's part of your history. It's part of who you were, but it, you, you don't yeah. want that to define you or be the thing that people that pops into people's no, head. I'm like, still oh, got four years left until I'm cancer free. Right. Because they do the five year thing, but no, now I'm comfortable with it because yeah, it's a part of who I am. You know. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason to. I felt like. How do I explain? By not telling anyone, I felt like I had uh, a black cloud in my aura that I wasn't releasing. So I had this darkness about myself that I wasn't fully embracing. That I, I made something into a dark spot. I made something negative. And by telling people, I healed from that. And by not, by not talking about it also, it becomes something that just by default you're then hiding. And so therefore there's like shame attached to that. That's undeserved. Well, I didn't feel like, cause my doctors were cool with me competing. They were really, um, they're really supportive. Actually. They thought it was awesome (laughs) and they, they encouraged me, but I felt like people would be like, coaches would want me um people would be like oh you shouldn't be competing blah 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 like there's a whole level of judgment people will try to um poison you with who they think you should be like your cancer you've got to be careful you've got to go here um why are you doing this you know there's just lecturing and um Fortunately for me, my coach, um, my coach knew, my coach that I had from New York Pro knew, and he he was very supportive and thought that it was good. So there are a few people that knew, and I'm, <laughs> one of my friends was pretty cool about it. Um, but, yeah, most for the most part, I just... Couldn't be bothered. I couldn't be bothered having the conversation, trying to justify myself to the world. Yeah, that's fair. And and you know, full disclosure, I probably should have led with this, but you are actually my coach, which is one of the reasons I asked you to come yeah. on here because I thought it'd be a good conversation to have. Uh, but also, like you know, before we started working together, I was following you, and so a lot of this is not news to me. Like I'd seen this based on what you'd posted before, and the the thing that I had taken away from just following you on social media is like man, she's really like the most no nonsense, no bullshit person that I've seen in a long time. Like just whatever, do the shit you have to do and shut up about it. Don't complain, <laughs> enjoy it. Cause you should yeah. be enjoying this and just do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I myself. I was like, if my competitive career is over. It's not going to be by my own hand. And I think that's a stubbornness that runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I will come rolling with one leg, but I will not stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So let's let's do this. Well, I, hold on. I want to I want to get to looking at some show picks here and going over some stuff. But before okay. we get to that, um, I know because we've talked like. You, you've got like some crazy metabolic stuff going on. Like you, you eat probably about as much as I do, except like you still lean out eating like that. So 
um, like your, your intake is crazy, which I think you would acknowledge like anybody like that, you ha- you're going to have a more difficult time growing just because there's a lot more variables to manage. And eventually there's only so much food you can eat. Right. So yeah. how much of that do you think is genetic? A lot. My brother, my dad, um, I don't know whether it's because we're raised active or whether it's just our metabolism, but we could sit in at a, um, you know, an Italian buffet three times a week and be a skinny little kid, you know? <laughs> and I think a lot of kids experience that, but not, not too many people carry that into adulthood. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I did marathon I mean, when I was younger, um, I've always been active. And when I was in retail, um, I would eat three and a half thousand calories a day and I maintained about 45 kilos, which is about 90 something pounds. Um, I just, while I ate healthy, I couldn't put weight on. And by healthy, I mean, I followed a high carbohydrate, moderate protein, low fat diet. So that's pretty much my secret to growing and um, dieting as well. So in off-season, my carbs won't actually go much higher than what they are, but I will manipulate my fats, which I found is, you know, because and I realised that because once I had a prep with a coach who, who I, I told my body didn't work like that, but I thought I'd trial the method anyway, um, high fat, high protein, low carb. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything for me. So in off-season, I will increase my fats and coming into a show, I will decrease my fats and that's how I diet. And I've had a couple of experiences where coaches have thought, okay, come into a show, we'll try to load you with fats. I sort of said it didn't work, but I just went along with it anyway because – you don't argue with your coach because um, you're a trooper. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know, you pay for coaching. You wanna um, you wanna impress them because you want to live up to them. So, and maybe they know something different or your body's changed. But yeah, um, you know, you learn that way too, and you have periods where you fluctuate. But I think it prepares you for a better, better physique. Yeah. And you, you don't really have, you don't really, you don't really struggle too much with leaning out. Like conditioning is not really the problem for you. Like you get shredded pretty easily. Yes. Which I actually uh, put on size pretty easily too. People don't think. Just stop it. Just nobody wants to hear that. that You can lean out easily and you put on size easily too. Nobody wants to hear that. Well, from New York to when I competed this year, like I never really told my, no, I won't say that. But let's just say, let's just say that I put on, I competed at six kilos heavier, six to seven kilos heavier. So about whatever that is in pounds. About 14. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't quite as lean, but there was a fair bit of tissue gained. Yeah, that, that's and I significant. that's because. A quite lean and off season two. Yeah. So I found, especially with females, that if you hit over around your eighteen percent body fat, you're basically pushing shit up a hill, no matter what you take in terms of muscle gains, because your estrogen kicks in. Mm-hmm. So 
there's a certain me- ma- method to my madness. You stay a little bit leaner, um, you know, and I like to control that because you can see what goes on. And if you have less going on in terms of fat and the same thing going on in terms of muscle, like your body's only gain is going to gain a certain amount of muscle. This is what my nerd brain thinks. You can gain a certain amount of muscle, you can gain a shitload of fat. So if you're pushing maximum muscle gains and you're here, well, you could eat a little bit more and go here with the fat. But when you diet down, you're likely to go down a bit more with the muscle gains. So that's something I tried to implement. And over the years, I've sort of gotten better at it. So each off season, I've gained a little bit more and more. But it's also like I work fucking hard. <laughs> I'm not in there doing like a million reps. Like I work really hard. I push my body to what people would say is that rep in reserve. And then I'll try to push out another one. Like, you know, yeah. like I'll break myself in the gym with good form. Um, so not like injury form, but I'll push myself. Um, and everyone says that, but I actually do. Like if you were to film me outside of my Instagram sets, um, it would look pretty feral. <laughs> like I'm the, person rolling, I'm the person rolling on the floor, like because, you know, like and not like I don't make noise and grunt and stuff either. Like I'm not attention-seeking. I just lose loose that everyone else is there and I go back to my my home gym where I would just, you know, training pyjamas. I'd do everything like, but no one was watching. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's – I, th- I think we're – people talk about when, you know, you train harder when people are watching. No. <laughs> like <laughs> when you train harder – like if you're truly training and no one's watching, you don't go, oh, no one's watching, I'm going to cheat. You go, no one's watching, I'm going to let rip. Yeah. Because exactly. I'm not embarrassed. So I don't let- care what happens. I could rip my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let, let's, let's break some news here then. So you said, you said specifically your Instagram sets. So does that mean, the way that I interpret that, is that when you're recording something, you're putting a little bit, just like a little bit of brain power towards kind of like, keeping it together a little bit for the camera. It's like not a hundred percent. It's like 95%. Yeah. It's usually my back off set. Okay. Okay. Good to know. I make sure that I get my working sets, like what's going to cause me growthing because that's more important, but I'll make my, my Instagram set more pretty and um, I suppose better form as well because you know, when you're hitting hard out, you might, that last rep in reserve is going to look pretty ugly. And, yeah. you know, you want to make sure that people who are watching you are getting the right interpretation of the exercise too. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So here's a scenario for you. Um, so they are correct, but they're not like, they're probably like 90 to 85%. They're not like of load. It's like one, one to um, one to two RIR basically. Yeah. Okay. So here's a scenario for you. You walk into an elevator 
with a stranger who clearly works out, but they look at you and they're like, okay, clearly she works out and she knows what she's doing. And so they want to start talking to you about training. You're both going up to like the 15th floor figure. You've got 60 to 75 seconds. This is a person who clearly has some experience, isn't a beginner, kind of knows what they're doing, but they're like, Chrissy, you know, clearly, you know what you're doing in, in a minute. Tell me what I need to know about taking my training up to the next level of intensity. What would you tell that person? I would tell them that they need to start. Um, geez, this is so they need to put you on the spot. Then they need to put in less work for greater result. Elaborate on that. So. So basically people will go in, they'll destroy themselves, they'll do drop sets, they'll do a lot of volume training. I find that as people get older, actually to grow your muscles, you need to have more sets that you can recover from. So if you take a marathon runner, they run and they might, you know, move their legs like a thousand times and they never recover from that, they're skinny. But if you break your muscle for eight good solid pin reps and put the food in, then they will repair and grow. But if you break the muscle for a hundred fatiguing reps, they're less likely to grow because there's a component of inflammation that gets in the way. So that's what I mean, like work less, but for better result. And if you're actually pushing out the heavier weights with good form to the eight to 10 rep, I believe that, um, your muscles actually will feel like they're working harder anyway, but in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So would it so be people try to grow calves that don't have calves and they do like calves every day. And it's just, they never grow calves because they're doing what a marathon runner does and they're training the calves 50 million times a day. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's quantity over quality. So the way that I would summarize that is, yeah, intensity first quality second recovery third like all those are super important but those are the three things that you need to focus on yeah yes good good that's a good elevator pitch that's why i'll typically do a refeed on a a huge growing day Mm -hmm. but then i'll put a refeed on a huge growing day followed by what i think is the next best grower Mm -hmm. so because there's a 36 hour window where your body will use those carbohydrates. So if I feel like Darren needs this body part to grow and then following that he needs this one, then I might put a refeed on. Clearly it's uh, I think, I think we know what body part that is. We can, we can all say it. It's it's legs. (laughs) Yeah. And then what's your following day? Uh, Rest day after that. Yeah. So to get the, it's just your quads, but for me, right, I've got good quads, So, but I feel like my quads need to grow. So I've actually got, I've got a program with Joe Bennett and Hypertrophy Coach, um, Hypertrophy Coach, and it's sort of a, it's a twist. No one will have a program like this. So I've got two body parts that I really want to grow, and every week they're different. So it's like, it's like a wellness gym bro split. Mm-hmm. 
so it's quite new. Um, so what, what are what are your two areas of emphasis? Well, I want to grow my upper body and my legs. Okay. And there's a spillover into my lungs, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. just the whole week. So every week I'll have a refeed on a chest and shoulders and tricep day. And then the next day is back, which is the upper body. And that particular week I'll train my upper body three times and legs twice. But on the next week, my refeed day is my hamstrings and glutes. And on that, the next day is back. On that particular week, I'll train my legs three times and my upper body twice. So it's like okay. a, it's like an AB. It's like a Dimbro wellness. Yeah. 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 And so, so like e- on every each day of those. the same except one day um, changes. So yeah. I'm hitting my what I feel is my dominant body parts three times a week, every fortnight. And so what I want to be dominant body parts. Sorry. Yeah. And so under that structure, you're hitting back after your refeed. So it's kind of like the tag along body part on both of those. It is. Cool. Cool. Nice. So one week in theory, I should go boom. And then the next week I should go boom in the lower half. That's the idea. I really want to work on that X frame because I feel like if I can bring a bit more size with my conditioning and, you know, by conditioner, I mean my New York pro conditioning. So this year I sort of, I went for a bit more of a full look and I don't think it worked for me. Um, So if I can bring more size with that, then I think that um, I'll be more happy with what I put up on Mm -hmm. stage. So you you were you're carrying significantly more weight this year. It wasn't all lean tissue. You were a little softer this year compared to 2022. Well, it's hard for me to tell because coming up to the shows, I was ripped, Mm -hmm. and you can quite clearly see that. There's photos on my Instagram where you know, and I take progress photos, and my glutes were shredded. But then on stage, they didn't really marry up to what I'd put up in the past. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Part of that was maybe I wasn't quite as lean, but I think that uh, a part of that was also different methods, trialing four different methods to sort of peak. Yeah. To try to bring a a different look, but I just, I don't think it worked. Like I think that I'd, I'd already nutted out what, or perfected what worked for me in the past. Um, But, you know, like, I wasn't coaching myself. So yeah, um, you can only try different things to see if it will produce a better look. And then, um, you know, you might think that you have it right and then you try something else and it might be better. Or then you might actually try something else and think, okay, I had it right. So yeah. I think if you look at most competitors, they have periods like that. Um, so 2024. Well, in doing all the shows this year, you had, uh, you had several trial runs. Like you, you've you've developed a lot of, uh, you had a lot of data to collect this year as far as how things work. Like the last couple of shows, I I sort of knew what what my position would be. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew where I was in the ranks of the competitors, but I just, to be honest, I just wanted to have the stage experience. Like I wanted the confidence to get up there and go, you know what? 
I know I'm not going to place, but here I am. This is me, and you're going to look at me. And Just, also, one one thing you told I, me was being new in the states, meeting people. Also, yeah, meeting yeah. people, meeting other competitors, but also for me it was that okay, well, I know that I'm not going to place, and I'm not going to be a sore loser like everyone else. I need to be able to walk on that stage and know that I or think that I'm not going to place, but. Um, you know, be able to be just as confident as if I was mm -hmm. because the way you present yourself is, um, well, that can decide between first and fifth, really. Right. So my last show, um, I think that I walked out and you probably saw the video. I didn't look nervous mm -mm. compared to the other shows. So... You know, now, and I'm a competitor. I want to be able to perform. I want to be on stage. Like, Heck yeah. that's what I want to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I needed that excitement. Like, I came here. I couldn't be over already. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a look at some pictures here. And I'm going to pull some of these up here. Um, these are just the uh, the galleries from NPC News Online. And typically, what I would do is just kind of throw these in in post-production. But I'm actually going to do a little screen share here so that you can see what I'm right. looking at. And I want to get... Please don't look at the bad ones. <laughs> All right. Well, you can you can say skip, skip, and I'll move on to the next one. So um, let me... Uh, where's, where's the button here? We're going to do the screen share theory, thing here. And I think this will work um, in the recording as well. So okay. we're going to go... Here, here, okay. Boom. Are you seeing that? Yes. Okay. So this is 2022. This is New York Pro. Yes. Um, and so you felt really confident going into this show, correct? Yes. Like felt felt good, felt like you had a good peak, pretty happy with how everything turned out. Yeah, I was so happy that I didn't eat on stage day. I just ate sugar and salt because I'm Oh, like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I was I was on. I was looking good, so I used my rationale there to determine what to eat. I'm gonna. I, I messed up here. I'm gonna stop this share and I'm gonna share the whole screen because when I click on the, the amount of carbs I can eat, I'll elaborate on that. I found that if I had over three carb meals per day in the lead up to a show, um, I'd struggle with my midsection, mm -hmm. and so that morning of that show. I was looking good and I'm like, well, I'm not going to fuck up my midsection this time. So I'm just going to eat the same amount of carbs and sugar. Yeah. And just salt, no protein. Um, and it works. Like I've never had my stomach so flat. And that, that helps. A lot of it's like keeping your food volume low on show day because, you know, even if you get carbs and you, you fill out your glycogen stores fully, if your stomach distends because of how much you had to take in, you've kind of defeated the whole purpose. Yes, correct. Because there's nothing I can't look past the distended stomach. Like, yeah, in yeah. My shows this year, I had that, and I yeah. can't look at the good parts of my body because I'm just fixated on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like glutes are here. Like, I mean, this is this is a good look. This is this is shredded. This is tight. Um, that was and, my best look, I think. Yeah, and, and you look comfortable. All I needed too. was a bit of size, really. Yeah, you can sort of see from that photo is like. They always told me to improve my upper body and leave my lower body because mm -hmm. you can see in that photo that I'm a little bit lower body dominant. A little bit. My, 
So I purposely kept my legs and glutes the same size. And now they're like, work on your quad sweep. So I just feel like that's permission <laughs> to just unleash these puppies because my legs will actually, they didn't really change this season, but if I want them to, they're, they're, the, they're um, a dominant body part for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, and I'm pretty I, excited to be able to have that permission yeah. to get it, the world when you spots. In, in the stuff that you post, like, you know, um, like, you know, like gym posing stuff. I mean, the, the quads are there. Like, um, yeah. you know, if you want to bring a little bit more size, a little bit more detail, great. But it's going to be easy for me. Yeah, they're, they're not always dominant. Like, they're not deficient. Always, like, dominant. <laughs> um, and so this um, year. I actually had to restrain the growth on them. <laughs> not anymore, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, this year, what was the first show? Was it Atlanta? Yes. Okay. So I think that's, is that this one here? I think that's this one. Um, I also noticed in looking through these, let me get this shared here. Um, you got a bunch of different suits. Like you aren't, you aren't rocking the same suit for all these shows. Hey, I don't want the same stage picture. <laughs> so here, here's I'm Atlanta. Photos. I'm gonna... Yeah. So I'm, Definitely bigger in the upper body. You can see it in my shoulders and lats. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit fuller. I don't think my condition's off that bad, but I can see that I've probably had too much food volume because I'm holding a little bit of water. So when you're bogged down with food, you will hold water anyway. It doesn't matter what you take. Like if your intestines aren't working properly, you'll hold fluid. Yeah. And I should also point out to, to everybody here, like you have to take all the photos with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's different stage lighting. It's different photographers. It's a different setting. So the environmental I think conditions. I was on about 16,000 more calories a day coming into that show than I was at New York Pro, which I could clearly take, but it was six carb meals a day instead of three. Mm. And I feel like you can't really combat that volume ever. Right. Like right. it will take a week to get rid of all that food. Yeah. Yeah. Like your conditioning um, here. I was pretty happy with the look. So yeah, your conditioning here is not, not bad. You don't look off at all. Bad in that show. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Like it, it doesn't look like, I mean, you, you know your body better than anybody else. Like when I yeah. look at this, it doesn't look like you're having trouble controlling your midsection. Did you feel like you were a little bit? A little bit, but I felt like that show, you can definitely see that I brought my upper body up. Mm -hmm. um, but I am holding a little bit of water in my right glute and that's yep. my sticking point. Like if I've got my period or if I and inflamed or holding a little bit of fluid, it will come out in the right glute. That's my Achilles heel. I don't know why. It's just a thing. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is for this, for this IFBB pro league show, they've only got 10 photos posted of you. Yeah. Here, like which is two weeks before I went pro, I did the state final and me and my coach were like, why weren't my right glute straight? And then the next day, like was the day before the state final. And lo and behold, I got my period. <laughs> Wonderful timing. I know, but then it was because then the next week following that was the 
um, was my pro card win, mm. which was almost almost as good condition as New York, but not quite. Yeah, not as crisp. And so after Atlanta, then like uh, almost immediately after, you were then up for Chicago. Yes. And so that then is here. Um, what are your thoughts on Chicago? Chicago, I was given significantly more carbs that week. As a result, my scale weight fell. But also as a result, like I think you can see the feather in my legs is better. Mm -hmm. And I'm more shriveled, I'm more drawn in. So you can see that the carbohydrates have sucked me dry a bit more. But because I was given, I think, an extra 30 grams of rice per meal, so... You know, and then three meals before nine o'clock, three rice meals before nine o'clock. Um, <laughs> I definitely had trouble controlling my midsection, although it's evident that the extra carbs sucked me in terms of my weight was lower. And you can see with some of the feathering, but I really struggled to control my midsection. Mm. Mm -hmm. like, like that photo doesn't look like it, but I had three big carb meals before nine and I don't think anyone can really stomach that. Yeah. I mean like Especially that because I've been given, you know, I was given six, it's a follow on effect. So six per day. Um, and in the past, like, don't get me wrong. I needed the carbs. I needed that amount of carbs, but in the past, what I've done for myself was I restricted my, carb meals to three a day mm -hmm. and i sort of forgot why i did that until the end of this prep well like that that photo right there like that's a great shot like it is. You, you can pick apart a couple of things in there but like the legs are there the upper body hardness is there your midsection does look tight there like that's an impressive package that's good yes and my face is pretty in that show too yeah yeah i mean like you but don't you don't suffer too bad from diet face. <laughs> no, because um, I'm not like I'm dieting, but it's health, it's healthy dieting. Like I'm still just as lean, but I'm getting all my macronutrients. Like I'm eating enough food that I'm actually getting everything. And <clears throat> my coach had me on all these wonderful supplements like magnesium, vitamin C, everything that I could, you know, multi. So I was healthy because I had the calories. Mm -hmm. Like, but there, I can see in that photo that I'm struggling to keep my midsection. I gotcha. Okay. For, from an outside observer, like, now that you say it, I can kind of see it, but I wouldn't have been drawn to that. Well, unless you I said had three, three, three meals of 200 grams of rice by nine. So that's, you know, <laughs> over, that's over half a kilo. In, and that's, cooked weight like that's a lot by 9 a.m it is especially and more so because you know and i'll be fully honest like the day before i had six and then you have a diuretic or half a diuretic on top of that you know and you don't have the fluid to move the the food through right yeah because it, so it, it takes fluid in the body to help with the carbs yeah for most girls i don't think that's an issue um, yeah, if they're not trying to put as many carbs through. 
No, but I've got the metabolism of, let's say, let's be honest, a man. Yeah. So, but I've still got the waist size of a woman. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of stuck with this, this conundrum of trying to fill out the same amount. Like I was eating 770, I think, grams of carbs for that show. How do I do that in a way that's going to be aesthetically pleasing? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It it's it's hard to tell from the photos, but like I think, you know, the photo quality plays into this, but I think this is like a really really good look. Um like could be a little drier, maybe like a little tighter in the midsection, but like as far as overall presentation, I'm also kind of biased to this suit. I think that's kind of, you know, I like the suit. Yeah, I mean it's it's just sharp. Yeah. So I think that's got something to something to do with it, but I think that's a great that's look. That's from an Australian designer. Hmm. Who is it? You want to shout them out? Um, I can't remember fit and that bikinis. I only used her once. Okay. I used her once because she created that beautiful suit, but she also created another one which was exactly the same, but all the beads fell off. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't use her again. Oh, no. Um, okay. So here now we have um, Tampa. So this is, you know, the, whoops. Sorry. Clicking on the wrong yes. thing here. Hold on. So Tampa is the third show. Um, and here we go. What are your thoughts looking at this? What do you think about Tampa? I think Tampa was great. You look way I, fuller here. I was fuller. So I managed to... Coming into the Tampa show, I managed to get a little bit of um, my way with the diet in terms of I was able to have five five carb meals a day and then in the last two days I had four. Mm-hmm. Like I say four because I really had the same amount of carbs but instead of having nine, I think it was... 250 grams or 220 grams or something like that. It's hard for me to remember because the quantities vary of rice. I was having (laughs) 70 grams of sugar, which had the same carbohydrates. So I had that with chicken for two meals. And um, I think that that I had, I nailed the fullness and I had the flat tummy. Yeah. Yeah. But I was still a little bit too full. In terms of like, I had two days to clear four carbohydrate, five carbohydrate meals a day, which I realized wasn't enough. So you can sort of see that I'm descended a bit in that photo. Just well, if you're ever going to see it, it's in the side tricep. um, If you've got food hanging around in your body, you can't actually achieve the full shredded look or eye clump because. When you have food backed up, and this is gross, you have water <laughs> tension. Your body will try to flood your cells with water to move it through. So yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like one, one thing I that... I felt like that was better. And then Chicago, I went in and had three carbohydrate meals a day. Two So I had two 70-gram sugars. And three carb meals. So I had, this is how I structured my day, chicken and nuts, chicken and rice, chicken and rice, chicken and rice, and then two chicken and 
sugar. <laughs> so I just say chicken with seven grams of sugar. On a flip side, it meant that I would have this insulin surge right before bed, which would drop so I'd sleep like a baby. Yeah. Um, I think I achieved a tighter look there, but again, I can still see my right glute. Just a little bit. I'm also wondering, like, do you think there's an issue with with posing where it doesn't engage as much? Because it just looks like it's not as hard as the left side. Um, no, I think it's water. Okay. In my photos coming up to the week, and I was pretty psycho <laughs> in the mirrors at M1, like not just taking progress photos, but in staring at my ass and working out. What like it was engaged when I wasn't flexing. Mm-hmm. All of my progress photos I sent to my coach, I didn't flex. Okay. Because it was engaging better. And I think it's because there was water in there and when I flexed it poured it out. Okay. But to be honest with you, my condition and everyone says this, but my condition coming up to the shows was shredded and you can't fake straighter glutes for Instagram, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, you can fake so a lot of things. There was an issue with peaking. Mm-hmm. And so then after Tampa, you decided to do Texas kind of at the last minute. Yes. And here... Oh, sorry, yeah, Texas was where I did the sugar. Here, Here is Texas. So what are your thoughts? I mean, this is very recent. This is weekend before last as of the time we're recording this. I so. think I came in tighter, but again, the same. Like, I think that even though the, like, the photography is different, but I mm-hmm. think I was tighter than Tampa, mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you. Like, not as full, but I had, I think I ran a thousand calories less coming into that show hmm. to try to combat the bloat. Um, the bloat. Yeah. Cause we, we talked about this um, when we chatted yesterday yeah. and um, this was the one show where I was able to yeah, watch think- the live stream of this and watching the video, I was thinking that, um, before I had a chance to compare photos, but I'd seen photos from the previous shows. And then I was just watching the live stream of Texas. And I thought you, I, to me, I thought it was pretty clear you were softer here, but it's, I wasn't able to compare, you know, I'm not seeing you in person. It's not apples to apples. So it's hard to say for yeah, sure. I think what I'm looking at is the bit of above my knee. Mm. So I feel like that's really drawn in, in the quad split. Mm-hmm which I don't feel like I achieved. Well, maybe I'm blind. I don't know. I did just compete, <laughs> but I felt tighter. Um, maybe go to a back shot if there's one. Yeah. We should be clear also, just to clarify, like this was five days ago. So <laughs> this is very, very recent history. So, yeah, there's that right glue. But show me one where I'm flexing. Yeah. Because um, they take it. They also take a whole heap of photos where you're not. Yeah, and a lot of them are like mid transition. But I can see my upper glutes are better than. Yeah. Tampa, but maybe my lower glutes are not. But it's hard to tell because of the lighting too. And my tan, um, I had to get redone because it didn't stick to my glutes. Mm. Yeah, and you you can, you can tell like this. 
this stage is significantly brighter than some of the others and the lighting yeah. also like i'm looking at it now with a videographer's eye like the bottom of the stage is lit much more aggressively than the top um yeah. so that's gonna make everybody my lower body too but uh, i feel like i was tighter there even though it might look like i was tighter in tampa yeah that that's where it's helpful to like you know actually have somebody who's at the show as well right right but also like we were on stage at 12 mm-hmm. and i had a bit of a medical drama that morning <laughs> well, so that that was a later show. I mean, because usually prejudging is much earlier than that, but yeah. you didn't start until midday. Yeah, and I had a bit of stress that morning, so I had a, a, a medical-related issue that I was treated for. And you also mentioned, like, you were staying in a place that didn't have air conditioning, so... Yeah, and that's what brought upon the medical issue. Yeah. So when I was actually in the morning, I had to sit with medics until about 11. 11. Before like, I was able to get my makeup. Like medics at the facility? Yeah. Had them there? Okay. Tumor. Yeah. I had a breathing problem. That oh, yeah. Related to my tumor. Mm. Okay. So that was a little bit stressful because I had Barry in the background screaming at me that I need to get my cancer reviewed. And I was stressed because I hadn't had an attack since Australia and they were treating me like I was a child and I felt like... You know, I'm not disabled. I know what's happening. I just need this and then I can get on. And I didn't realize that that was me out, but it probably did. And I forgot about it until now, to be honest. <laughs> that was an issue that I had stage morning. Everything's felt fine since then, physically? Yeah. yeah but, good. like, I started having the attack about 9, nine o'clock. Um, and I think it was just from the heat and I didn't have my medicine. Mm. So I had to sit with the medics and um, they treated me. And then after the show, in between, we went to the chemist and got some medicine. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. So that, <laughs> that might have, because I was pretty lean, that might have impacted my cortisol. Absolutely. If you've got something like that going on, like yeah. that, that's an easy way to like, you know, hold an extra pound of water. Boom. Just yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I forgot about that. That's not an excuse though. Well, like nobody's looking for excuses, but there's factual circumstances that can change the way that yeah, things play uh, out. It had never happened before, especially not a show. And it was quite embarrassing because I was sitting there and the medics were listening to my breathing and my heart and they kept coming over and checking my pulse and it was like the whole day, every time I walked past security and walked past them, I'm like, you okay? And I like, I was trying to show the the woman who was doing my makeup my bikini and I bent down to, to get my bikini out of my bag and they ran over. Um, they ran over and they were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just getting my bikini out of my bag. <laughs> like, chill I out, everybody. I'm fine. <laughs> I even said to them, like, when I came back for finals, they're like, are you okay? I'm like... Yeah, I really appreciate that you're concerned, but can you please not mention it again? <laughs> and I think they took it as me being rude because they were like, oh, sorry, we're just trying to care. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I want to forget about it. Like, I want to have a good, yeah. a good experience. Um, it's kind of like what we said before. Like, I don't want the I show to be like about they this. Were, they were overreacting to something 
they didn't know about, that I knew about, that I was in full control of and would have been in control of within 20 minutes. And because they were overreacting to it, it made me distressed about something I wouldn't have been distressed about. Yeah. That's definitely good. I mean, okay. I understand because they don't know. Yeah. And so, I I mean, I actually felt humiliated. Like my coach got there and I told him what was going on. He's like, I'm proud of you. I'm like, I actually feel really embarrassed that this is a code. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a normal human reaction. I think nobody wants to be the center of attention for reasons like that. No. And I just wanted them to move on and I can't blame them, but I kept telling them, I just wish they had to trust me. I actually wish I had never said anything and just suffered in silence, to be honest. Like, there would have been a better result. I would have just moved on within 20 minutes. I might have had breathing issues, but I would have. Res- I was at peace knowing that on the way home from the show, I would have been able to resolve that myself. And I feel stupid that I got help because in hindsight, Less people knowing about that would have been better because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have overreacted, they wouldn't have overreacted, and I would have just been able to forget about it the same way I did before this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the issue at a, a backstage at a show like that, it's not like you can just go into the medical closet and close the door behind you and be tended to <laughs> by somebody. It's, it happens in the view of everybody out there, right? right? But I could have pretended it wasn't happening. Yeah, but I mean, I think if you could have done it in a way that was private and then, you know, like, yeah. you know, not everybody is watching everything happen to you, then I think yeah. it would have been like, okay, cool, this isn't a big deal. I actually knew that the medical tent had the medication that I needed. Mm. And I asked them for it, where I should have just delayed that until mid show. Mm. Hmm. So I know that sounds crazy, but I could have kept my shit together until I went to the chemist. <laughs> well, and so you had mentioned um, in 2024 is is going to be uh, the yes. next version. So what is uh, what what is your plan for 2024? We talked about it before. Basically, just more size and still bring the same level of conditioning. I want significantly bigger glutes and quads, um, chest and shoulders which will inherently make my lights look bigger from, you know, more methods. Um, so I think that I've got a good um, program and a good understanding and some good support that will help me achieve that now. Now that I'm in America, if I can get that many pounds of gains in Helburn, Melbourne, <laughs> my play, where it's extremely stressful, like I've got poor quality supplements and I'm working. Like sometimes I was getting up at three in the morning to get my training in because the job was just that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can significantly improve in those conditions, here in America I can, I feel like I can, you know, significantly improve. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, it. it should be a big year. I mean, no, no pressure, but we're all expecting pretty big things here. So, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to disappoint. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not going to disappoint. Myself. Yeah. So, um, I'm definitely not going to disappoint you. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. No. And so, um, also, uh, if people want to follow you online, what's the best way to do that? 
um, Instagram. How do they find you there? I suppose. Chrissy underscore with underscore G-U-N-Z guns underscore IFBB pro. All right. And I will put that on screen. It's a mouthful. So. Yes. (laughs) I did have Chrissy with Chrissy with guns for years. And then I tried to change it and people were like, what happened to the guns? We went to look for you and there's no guns. So I just went back to guns. <laughs> and what, what's with the guns? Are when you I was in retail. Oh, when I was in retail, right, I was this tiny little marathon runner. But I had biceps and shoulders. So I always had biceps and shoulders. And that came because for a portion of when I was studying, I did factory work. So for the first like, year of when I went to college, I was supposed to go to college, but the whole time I was at college, I didn't go to one class and I just worked <laughs> full time. Um, oh, cause you know, I was from high, from high school. I did like physics, chemistry, advanced maths and got perfect, pretty much perfect scores. And then I go to college and I'm just doing business subjects. And like, to me, it was so easy that I would get perfect marks without going because like it was easy compared to those subjects. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like high school was significantly harder. Um, I almost did a science degree, um, but there was no, there's no money in that in Australia um, mm. for women at that time. So anyway, boring part was I went to, I did factory work. I got jacked and then I was skinny, but I had the guns. So I was crispy with the guns when I was, you know, 40 something kilos running around crazy retail. And then I had, of course, like, cause I was a retail manager all day. I was just merchant stock. So I had shoulders and biceps. That's funny. Chrissy with guns. I was wondering where that came from. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It actually comes from skinnier days. <laughs> <laughs> Skinny, but with some arms. When he was a baby, when my baby brother was a child, like he came out of my mum with biceps and they called him Popeye. (laughs) So there's a genetic component to this. Absolutely. Yeah. We've proved it again. My sister's got the same genetics as me. So she's 47 kilos, but she's got little dark caps. So. (laughs) Too funny. Too funny. And so you are also available. I know. And so I'm, I'm, I thought like I should ask this as a question. No, I'm just going to say it because I know you're also available for coaching and posing. And so whatever, whatever anybody needs in terms of bodybuilding support, you're there for that too. I am. Cool. All right. And uh, your email address, I will throw it up on screen as well. So if people want to reach out to you for anything about that, they can hit you up directly too. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for Um, having me as well. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted to throw on here that you feel like people should know that I didn't cover? Yeah, I think that you've like pretty much delved into my last seven years of history. We were very invasive like here and bringing of, up all kinds of things you didn't want uh, to talk about or remember. There's a couple of things you don't know. Like I had a, a crazy divorce and some other medical issues that were more serious than cancer. 
Wow. So that, that could be the next one. <laughs> that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a teaser there. Okay. All oh, right. yeah. It is a teaser. It's boring, though. Like, I feel like all of my history is boring. Well, we'll have, so, to, get, we'll have to get an off-season update. We're going to have to come back for an off-season yeah. update after we've seen some growth, and then we can dig in on the boring stuff as kind of like, you know, breaking well, that it's up. it's boring because of the way I pronounce it. Like, believe it or not, before cancer, I had – I was in the Australian choir – so I had surgery where they would stick a metal rod down my throat um, for three months. So I had a beautiful singing voice like Ariel off The Little Mermaid and then I went to this. So, but it's okay. I mean, that, that sounds kind of fascinating. I, I do want to dig in on that. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was a, a big actress. I did lots of stage performances in Melbourne Concert Hall and okay. played the violin too. Okay. Huh. All right. So, you know, the electric violin. Do, do you still play? I can still play. I have a 19, no, sorry, a 17, um, 17, 80 something German made violin, hmm. which I have restored. So. Fascinating. So when, when my wife and I, we released an album back in 2020, um, yes. we hired a violinist to play on five or six of the songs. And we were originally looking for an electric violinist specifically. Okay. Couldn't find one. So we found, um, we found a great uh, woman. She's actually a, a Broadway performer in New York and she's a singer and she plays the violin and we work remotely with her and she sent us tracks and it was, it was great. But um, yeah, we're, I'm definitely like as a songwriter, I am always in the mood for a good violin to, to bring something a little bit of extra sauce well, to a song. I play so. the violin, but I can't sing anymore. So if you're looking for a vocalist, <laughs> you have to listen to my deadpan voice. Find else. <laughs> but I can rock the crazy rock star look with my hair and the violin. I like that. That's good because the look matters a lot. It does. I'm not going to lie. So and I change my hair as frequently as I change my socks. So. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Chris, um, so I'm going to say goodbye, but stick around. So I'm going to say goodbye to the audience. I want you to stick around okay. first for a debriefing. Um, but okay. thank you for coming. Um, everybody, this has thank been. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank, this... thank you, everyone. Yeah. Episode 230. It's a wrap. We'll be back next week, probably with 231, yeah. and we'll take it from there. So thank you all for listening. I'm going to stop recording now. Uh, I can never find. Here it is. Stop recording. Okay. Here's the button. Later, everybody. Later.